This conference will now be recorded. All you, Kevin. Okay. Um, you know, uh, so is this me doing something or are folks going to ask me questions here, Kelsey? What's your typical? Well, why don't you tell them where you started and how you got into Citywide in Pittsburgh and then tell the story about how you uh, moved on and got the second location. Give them a little background of where you come from and then you can pause and open it up to questions. Sure. Um, so my name is Kevin McGrath. I am part of a three-person management team that owns two Citywide Facility Solutions franchises. <clears throat> one in the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area and one in Houston, Texas, the west side of Houston. Uh, Houston was an existing business that was split because of the size of the market down here. Pittsburgh was a clean sheet startup uh, from scratch. I believe actually that there was at one point maybe a franchise in Pittsburgh, but I'm not, I never ran down that road, to be honest with you. And there hadn't been one in quite some time. So it was basically a clean sheet. Um, my partners and I come from oil and gas. We have engineering backgrounds. Uh, we worked together for, uh, I guess, 12 years, all three of us together. Um, John, the most senior of us three, worked at the same company for about 42 years. Uh, Terry, who's the middle in age of the two of us, worked there for 25 years. I'm the youngest. I worked there with them for 11 years and then went on to work at a different company for another four before we decided to do this. So uh, John had retired. Terry had also left that company to pursue other things and I was still employed. So Terry and I stayed uh, in contact as well as John and decided to start looking at business opportunities and eventually through a process of elimination uh, came down to Citywide. Uh, we were looking at, I live in Houston, uh, I grew up in Pittsburgh, Terry and John both live in Pittsburgh, so we were looking at business opportunities anywhere in the country, we were all willing to move. Um, Pittsburgh was available and Houston was not at the time when we were looking, so we moved down the road for a Pittsburgh new start. Uh, by the time Pittsburgh came up, uh, was, was starting to get tied up uh, more securely, Houston West became available. So we discussed our options and decided that we were going to try and take on both of them. Uh, the startup was that I, all three of us were full strength in Pittsburgh for the first six months. Uh, the gentleman that we purchased the west side of Houston from, who still runs the east side, his name is Darren Fraking, his operation as part of the purchase ran for the first six months the day-to-day -day operations for Houston while we got Pittsburgh dialed in and ready to go. So that was kind of how we came to be where we were. We opened both locations in February of 2020, right before the pandemic. So it was a, I was a little bit of a wild ride for the first few months there. Will there be more questions or did I just shoot the whole call? No, we'll let it open it up. Brian, go for it. Between you and Alan Cato, you guys can bounce back and forth. Yeah, thanks. Um, you say both February 2020, but Pittsburgh was first, yes? Pittsburgh was discussed first. Um, okay. Pittsburgh had already been committed. There was a buyer that was going down the road without getting too far into the specifics. There was a buyer that was interested in purchasing the Houston West territory um, when we initially started looking at Pittsburgh. And so we moved with Pittsburgh because we knew that citywide was the opportunity that we wanted. Um, we looked at several other franchises prior to, uh, as well as other businesses that were not franchise based. <clears throat> we had already made a decision to go with citywide. 
And I frankly, I didn't want to move from Houston and Terry didn't want to move down to Houston. So we were trying to find a solution that kind of met, met all those needs. And we eventually did that by finding the Houston location. But yeah, the, the go live date for both of those was February of, of 2020. Hey, can you tell us a little bit about how you guys um, managed both locations while still probably needing to focus mostly on, on Pittsburgh, I imagine? I wish this was a more interesting story, but uh, what it actually turns out to be is that Darren and team were already running both sides of Houston simultaneously then. Yeah. And so it became a matter of just separating the books. After the financial transaction to purchase uh, and all the, all the paperwork, Darren actually continued to run and he was good about consulting. You know, if we obviously we needed some new hires there, he split not only the territory, but there were team members that came with the purchase. So we we didn't buy just the right to do business in an area. We actually bought an FSM, a night manager down there as far as an operations team. And we hired a salesperson. So Darren had it kept us involved in the salesperson recruiting his skill uh, at least in my opinion he's he's a very good salesperson and a good sales manager so we trusted his judgment in those areas and that okay. young lady with us as a salesperson by the way as are the fsm and we've since grown but the night manager is no longer with us she had some other life type stuff so she moved out of the area so houston was pretty much self-sufficient and you guys were able to just uh continue to just uh hit the streets for pittsburgh that's an accurate statement yes and, and part of our financial plan to be honest was that uh, you know when you start off you're going to have a, a you're going to lose money for a period of time sure at a location and part of our uh, business plan was that houston was going to make money in that meantime so we we're in a position financially where we had the upfront money to bolster ourselves against monthly losses and we did the calculus on it and, and it made a lot of sense to purchase an enterprise which was going to be in the black to offset an enterprise that was going to be in the red and kind of lessen that monthly blow. Awesome. This, is Dave. this is David Braun. Uh, Margarita just entered the call. She's kind of a little different candidate. She's actually an Arite IC with a janitorial business um, roughly around a million dollars. So she wouldn't start from scratch. She would actually do a conversion. So I just thought I'd, I'd share that with you. Oh, so thanks. Enter the call. Hey, Kevin, do you want to talk a little bit about the um, the strength and like the need for you hiring the right salesperson out of the gate and talk about a little bit about like the sales and how crucial it is when you get started? Yeah, um, for, fortunately and unfortunately, uh, we have a pretty good case study in that um, in the Houston area, we started off with a decent sized book of business um, in Houston in terms of recurring revenue, as well as during that time during, in the pandemic, we were doing the disinfecting and various other extra services in terms of workplace redesign for social distancing. Uh, people moving to a more hybrid workplace so our houston side had i forget where we were exactly when we bought in terms of monthly contract revenue and pittsburgh obviously we started with zero so our my partner john who's the i described earlier he's the sales director terry runs ops in pittsburgh and i run ops in houston 
John is a, a very good salesman and we were very fortunate that the North Carolina franchise had one of the top sales. I think it was a top 10 salesperson in the citywide system for 2019. And he had a personal need to move to the Pittsburgh area. So his, um, the owner there, Jamie, had spoken with us during this um, qualification period and, and we got to be friends with him. And he said, listen, I have a person that would be fantastic. He has to move to Pittsburgh. Uh, he would like to continue to work for Citywide. Would you like to interview him for a hire? Uh, so we hired his name is Josh Creasy. So we started off in Pittsburgh with Josh, who had been in a very experienced citywide guy and knew exactly, you know, knew the top track, knew what value we bring, could differentiate our business from others that may seem similar in the area. Uh, we also had John, who is, has a very strong background in sales. And my father uh, had just retired and he was coming off a 45 year career in sales and knew a ton of had a ton of connections in the Pittsburgh area. So he came to work for us. So in Pittsburgh, starting off, we had uh, three pretty strong sales candidates up there. And I think Pittsburgh, we would have hit, um, we had an 11 month year uh, from February until December. Had we had January, we would have been over a million dollars that first year in terms of new sales from scratch, which is a, a pretty good uh, starting point for 11 to 12 months in. Uh, in Houston, unfortunately, where I'm at, we had the opposite issue. Um, so we have a sales team down here that was not very experienced and I was not here for the first six months. So our sales in Houston have been far off and what we had done to bolster that now, we're just starting to see some of the results come in uh, over a year later. So definitely, Kelsey, to your point, the sales, whether you consider yourself a salesperson or not, I don't. If you are not that person, somebody has to be that person there. And I definitely suggest it not being a fresh graduate or somebody that's new to sales. You need somebody that is uh, a self-starter and understands what it takes to manage a pipeline, can forecast accurately, has some CRM type experience from the you know a past life. Otherwise, it's going to be tough at the initial go. We were fortunate because we had so much NJS work that it backfilled the lack of new sales. and But eventually uh, that, that gets to be a tough go. And, and we found that out probably in the, you know, the earlier parts of this year, we knew that we had to make some significant changes. So we just did. And, and I think August was a, a pretty good sales month for us and the types of months we need to have moving forward. But prior to that, it was few and far between to be honest until we got our heads around the process. And part of that was my own weakness from not being a strong sales manager and John, who is a strong sales manager, devoting his time remotely from Pittsburgh. He would fly down here for two to three weeks, every month and a half uh, to two months. And that was really good. We would get good results, but then keeping it up on a, a daily drumbeat, I'm more of the ops guy and we were able to tighten that up. So Kelsey, yeah, to your point, um, you, you definitely need to focus on having that strong sales presence out there in the first place. Hey, hey, Kevin, this is Alan calling from the Delaware area. Um, first, I want to say I appreciate your transparency. That's, that's really good, especially for folks that are um, looking at this from a lens of, of the, you know, coming into um, citywide brand new. So I appreciate that. Uh, but, you know, when I was, I was just looking at you scanning your um, little bit of your bio on your, your website. So you you have an M.E. You're, you're coming with a mechanical background. Were you more of a design engineer or you were more facilities? 
so we were in oil and gas. So okay. I was design. My background is running. Um, was running machine shops. I was a diesel mechanic before I went back to school. Um, okay. I went to school for philosophy prior to this as well. Uh, I left okay. that back out of the bio for the website, but um, I, I had a strong operations background. Um, okay. I ran jobs all over Texas. I've worked overseas, all, always in operations. And then I came okay. through to a sales engineering role um, for a period of time when I worked with John and Terry towards the end of my time with that company. Lastly, I was running the Gulf Coast operations for a branch of Siemens. Okay. Uh, did field service parts uh, and design work. So I've been kind of more of in the managerial side. Um, my engineering now is more incidental, I guess. I work on cars at my house and I run a lathe. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I definitely am I'm a stronger operations person and that results yeah. some jobs down here NJS wise that we maybe might not have gotten otherwise. Okay, because I, I have a engineering background myself in the electrical discipline. Okay. Um, so, yeah. you know, I've been always thinking of how can I, you know, just when it comes to the NJS, how can I connect some dots that could help, you know, help business grow under citywide? Uh, right. So just kind of curious to hear how your, your existing engineering background kind of um, filters over into your day-to-day um, operations work. Okay. At first, at first, I didn't see a lot of synergy there, Alan, honestly, um, and there weren't a lot of opportunities, but what you find is the wider you cast your net and again unfortunately to, to keep hitting it you're back to that sales team and that marketing team there we get we get inquiries all the time now that we weren't receiving back before we had the sales process more managed and um an example we had an audio video company that actually called the home office in kansas city they needed to have a fan installation done in the Houston area. So it came down to me. It was a really small job. I went to look at it myself because I happened to be in the area and I gave them my card and I have a, a professional engineer's license that I kept in Texas. And okay, the CEO was mad about this conference room ventilation AV fan. And he saw the PE on the card and he said, right. you keep your license. I said, yes. It turns out they're opening a new facility that's going to be seven stories on the southwest side of town and it's a complete medical facility and he said we want someone with an engineering background to manage the maintenance wow, there you go okay. those types of things um but okay. you, it, it's not apparent at first it's not an immediate connection for folks okay 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 thank you I, I appreciate that 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 helps me in my um <laughs> as i start to paint the paint the picture of how i mean you know i came from the consulting side come from the operations side you know which that you know yeah very diverse but i'm, I'm so connected to a lot of different industries in this area. So that that just gave me confirmation how it can transition over oh. to city wide. Hey Kevin, I got something for you. Fire away, fire away, right? So you you started with uh, with some help, you know, it was you and your two partners starting Pittsburgh from scratch, which I'm sure a lot of times you thought, man, this is uh, this is cool because if I was doing this by myself, it'd be brutal, right? Correct. So knowing what you know now, because you said, yeah, well, yeah, you know, you guys are, um, you guys aren't at, a, you guys are, you're not at a year yet, right? No. We are, we're past the year, so we were. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah, just a year, right, right, right. Um, it, knowing what you know now, if you were to go and start that thing, start Pittsburgh completely by yourself, just that French, that just that territory only, um, 
how would you go about it on your staffing right from day one to try to make it less brutal for you? Uh, <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> I guess. Because um... it's going to suck either way. But you know now, you know, uh, the, the types of people that you've had, obviously with partners, made it a lot, a little bit easier, that, that starting process. You know, you finally got to cash flowing now, right? At, at basically a, at about 11 months is when you finally, finally started to cash flow Pittsburgh. Um, so yeah, what do you think? Uh, we actually had some other fortunate staffing accidents. Um, <laughs> uh, from accounting, an accounting perspective, a gentleman that, that I had worked with in the past uh, that I respected a lot, he had retired and I called him for recommendations for an accountant, like an entry level accountant. And he said, what about me? I'm getting a little bored. And so he came on board to help us with a lot of the accounting things. I, I will. My opinion is this, um, and for Alan, the engineer on the phone, uh, and maybe others that may have a business background or a finance background, the accounting that we do at Citywide, especially in your first year, is not going to be anything that you can't manage on your own. It's a time drain, and you have to learn the systems, which is a pain, uh, you know, a little bit of a pain in the butt, uh, which you have with any new job. But the accounting isn't going to kill you. Um, getting the actual business set up uh getting your permits with the state depending on what state you're in with the county that was a big time drain and that was where we flexed the muscle of having three different people there that could you know someone could sit on hold all day and yeah. wait the state of pennsylvania while someone dealt with independent contractors and a third person was out selling and the, you know somebody yeah. was walking ICs around through jobs that was that was a big a big benefit for us but if i were going to staff it again I would say I naturally, I'm sorry. Yeah, by yourself. Yeah, if I were gonna staff it by myself, I would recognize my own weakness. I, I think if you've talked to Jeff Odo or gone gone to any of the discovery days, I, are you all past discovery day? No. No, okay. So they'll talk to you about this, is that somebody has to, you can't be asleep at the wheel with sales. And you have to be a, have a very brutally honest assessment of, not only what you're good at, but what you like to do, because that's how you're going to spend your time. Uh, we all have the to-do list of, you know, I've this thing may not be that difficult, but I've left it out there and procrastinated on it because I don't enjoy it. That for me is sales and sales management. I just don't enjoy it. That's not what it's in my heart. I don't. I like getting out and talking to people. I have no problem talking to customers. I know why our business is awesome, but the day-to-day -day grind of of managing sales and being out there doing that thing is not for me. So my first hire would have been a sales manager, a mature sales manager, doing it again. I'm comfortable with operations. I immediately and instinctively just you know set up. Uh, there you go. <laughs> See if I can push it over. There's a board in my office. Yeah. Uh, that's an ops board that went up day one and I okay. immediately knew what I was doing with it. So, you know, I wasn't, it didn't intimidate me. I enjoyed doing it. I like managing those types of problems. Uh, if you would ask maybe Darren Fraking, who's on the other side of Houston, he's got a board in his office and it's sales. So his first hire should have probably been an ops person. Okay. So if I know that's kind of a nefarious or nebulous answer that kind of depends on you, but if you're very strong and you know, you like making a bunch of phone calls and you like getting yourself out there and sending the emails and, and casting that net pretty wide, managing right. that pipeline, then you should probably look to hire either a back office business manager or 
a uh, an operations team that are operations folks that are going to give you a hand there if you're stronger on the ops side i could have probably we did without an fsm in pittsburgh for quite a while i was the night manager and terry was the fsm during the day um, we did that because i would be leaving and then the clients would have continuity with terry where he had already built that relationship even when i came back down to houston six months later that worked well and we've we've actually had some a little bit of churn in the operations team in Pittsburgh in terms of folks coming and going, but Terry's always kind of been that rock because he's very good at the operations side and he, he can also handle the business side. I think both of us probably are identical in that neither one of us is is a person that would instinctively take the lead on sales. So he, he would probably tell you the same thing if you asked, is that getting a good sales team out there made all the difference in the world for Pittsburgh. Well, let me ask you, here's a scenario. If in your case, you were more operations minded and if you were starting Pittsburgh totally by yourself, you knew you wanted to bring on a sales rep, a full time sales rep, because you didn't want to be doing that. Right. Um, in your experience and uh, when from the time of hiring a, say, moderately experienced salesperson from that time to when they are independent and don't really need you that much. Are we what kind of time span are you talking? Maybe uh, two months, six months? You know uh, what I mean? That's a great question. Um, if you're focusing on operations and you need them to be hitting it each day, because sales cannot be interrupted, right? Especially in the beginning. So when can they finally kind of, when do you think that person is, um, you know, able to do their thing and, and you're able to just focus on what you're doing? <laughs> I guess I, I can tell you what I would guess because yeah, we sure. didn't have any of those. All we had was we had Josh who had tons of experience specific to Citywide and was a tremendous success before he came to our, our location. Yeah. Uh, we had John Rand who had 40 years of progressive experience as a salesman. And we had my father who was fish in a barrel because he knew, you know, Mike that runs this car dealership for the last 20 years and they went to high school together. And that was all over the place in Pittsburgh. And in Houston, we hired somebody with almost no sales experience. So I had both ends of the spectrum, but no one like what you described, moderately successful or moderately experienced. I think the stock answer for most folks would be uh, probably six months. You should, you should have a three month ramp up. And then by six months, you should really be doing you should have your head around it. This, I don't know what everyone's background here is on the call, but what we're selling here is not, uh, you know, we're not selling high tech that it's going to take you five years to learn what we do. You're walking in, you, you know, you're building a relationship with people B2B. You're walking in, addressing pain points, looking at a building. Uh, nothing that we sell is so high tech that it would have an extreme, you know, ramp up period. Well, I guess I guess like for me, I have a sales experience. So if I were to come and work for you and you were to set me up on the citywide training, because basically I, I come from a sales background. So what I need to know is how to do it the citywide way, right? Right. So with the training programs that I imagine um, are available, how long before I, you know, the training that I've gone through to just know the citywide way? That's a fair question. I would think uh, within that first three months, okay, you, you should have your your poop in a group pretty well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I would think you should be fully functional at six months. And and understanding, you know, if you have a sales background, you know that the, the call you make today may not come back to you. Right. Three to three yeah. to six 
months anyway. We don't have a really long churn time in what we sell. Uh, if someone's in pain, if they're under contract, we typically, you know, it's a 30 day notice or a 60 day notice. You're working with them the whole time through that. If it's somebody, <clears throat> if, they need to, if, if they need to ditch their current provider. That's correct. Right. Yeah. Or if they have an annual go out to bid, uh, oh, you yeah. know, there's times of years you'll learn, excuse me, schools go out to bid at a similar time of year every year. Okay. You want to focus your email blasts on schools, your marketing, your calling on schools at a certain point in the year. Uh, you know, we're heavy oil and gas down here. I have, I know when the budgets for oil and gas go out, and they're probably similar to the other ones. I, you know, Siemens, my previous employer, is an exception. Their business year ends in September, at the end of September. Um, that's when they close their fiscal, so all their contracts get lit up prior the quarter prior to that. Most other yeah. companies that are on an annual, you know, a calendar year matches their fiscal. They're working on that type of thing from October to November to get these bids in. So cool. I would think, yeah, to answer your question, you should be up and running. When we built our business plan, I think we maybe had a bit more of a robust plan than I see most folks go in with in terms of what we had plotted out for, for both locations. And we planned on $0 sales for the first three months for our uh, sales executives. And then we slowly ramped them up to the monthly expectations recommended by the franchise until we got to, I think around six months to maybe seven months, we had them in at full full dollar value for, for the uh, monthly sales numbers. Yeah, that sounds realistic. Yeah, well, thanks. Thanks, Kevin. Absolutely. I should have Kevin, cut lunch. Kevin, <laughs> yeah. Hey, Kevin, I think Alan Cato has a, um, has a question. Um, but if he, if after this one, do you want to talk a little bit about um, how you went about finding your independent contractors and how they've kind of gotten a little bit more sophisticated as you've grown? Certainly, certainly. <clears throat> Alan, did Alan, you have Yeah, go ahead, Alan, if you have a question. No, no I was going to say, because I heard Kevin mention that um, the, um, the type of, services that we provide is not high tech and, and, and it's, it's not in some, some degrees, but, but I know because when I hear your background, Kevin, it can be highly technical at a given time. Do you do any highly technical services? Uh, I, I guess it depends on what, what we would define as highly technical. Probably in Houston, the most recently we put in, we installed about a thousand feet of underground electrical cable and yeah final installation on an $80,000 LED sign. We didn't purchase the sign, the client had purchased it. Right. Uh, we did the final connections, did the concrete work, uh, sized the wire, uh, installed new breakers and service panels okay. on it. Okay. Probably be okay. most sophisticated down here so far. Okay, all right, okay. So you, can't, you guys came in as a, um, a GC, general contractor. That, that's a pretty accurate statement, yes. Okay, okay. okay. So, okay. and I think, to be fair, maybe I could qualify my statement to Scott's or my response to Scott's question. When you're hiring these sales team members, your bread and butter is going to be your monthly contract revenue, primarily from janitorial services and porter services. So the when I say we're not selling something super high tech, uh, the janitorial services in these buildings, there's not a huge learning curve to be able to sell JS to people or day porter services. So you can expect your sales team members to get up to speed on the products and the process within that first three month period, I would say to be fair. And then Alan, to your point, 
the sky is really the limit for you. And, and there's better folks to talk to than us newbies. Um, you know, the North Carolina team is doing some very cool things with handyman work. I know Indianapolis also does Tampa as well. So the more established that your location becomes, you know, the basis of service that you're providing to these repetitive clients, you'll find yourself with other opportunities once they understand and see what your competencies are in terms of project management, vendor selection, accurate billing, and unresponsiveness. Got it. Uh, for ICs, Kelsey, um, <clears throat> so in Houston, we had, uh, we lucked into it again. Uh, we, there was a fully developed IC coordinator. Her name was Fran. She was already working for the other side of Houston, and we had a shared services agreement where her and one or two other team members in the office were partially dedicated to the West, and we paid part of their salary and partially dedicated to the East. Fran had a really well-developed IC recruiting process. She had a pipeline. She treated it like a sales job. Um, it's going to be really tough to develop the sense of urgency for ICs until you have some contracts to give them, but you will need to treat it that way. Uh, with Terry and I, we, we tried some things in Pittsburgh when we did the start from scratch. So they will teach you to have a regularly occurring IC meeting, I think is one of the best practices that they, you know, set it for this day, the third Wednesday of every month or, or whenever you set it for, and then you target your marketing to show up on the third Wednesday and, you know, come see us. We'll give you all the paperwork that you need, answer any questions and get you signed up that way. We had limited success with those meetings in the Pittsburgh area. Uh, I believe some of the other folks who started around the same time as us had a lot better success with those. I'm not sure what the differentiator was, how we found it. We went out on Craigslist. Uh, if you're on the Nextdoor app, that's we've had a lot of success in Houston on Nextdoor.com. Uh, the the other you know local papers. If you're in an area where it's maybe more small town, the local paper is a decent resource. And also, if you're seeing companies hiring out there on Indeed.com and places like that, you kind of do a reverse search and Pat Hunt in New Jersey has a really well-developed method for doing it, um, for recruiting in the, along those lines with Indeed and Monster.com looking for jobs, looking for the companies that are hiring more ICs, hiring people to clean for them. Those are the companies you want to reach out to. When you first start, I think the second part of Kelsey's question was, how does it look when you first start and how does it look now as you get a little more mature? The ICs that you work with at the beginning are not going to be the ICs that you work with six months or a year later. Um, your the anxiety level to staff jobs is going to be pretty high early on. You sell your first job, right? You're nervous because you're not selling anything. All of a sudden, boom, you start selling things. You whoa, I got to find some contractors to do this work or to partner up with. Now you've got that urgency for the contractors. The the music to your ears is going to be a, a contractor that says. I have 75, 80 people. I can staff any job you want. Um, so you you pick them up and, and they're the easy button and they do, but maybe the quality of people might not be the same as you get with a smaller operation where you can kind of work more closely with people who have meaningful feedback to the end product. Uh, they're going to be more expensive. So I think as you evolve, you cover the bases out of necessity with maybe people that are more expensive or that maybe take a bit more effort to connect with. And then as you grow, we have a great example in Pittsburgh, a gentleman named Norm 
he came in, he had an LLC and had never done anything with it. And his girlfriend forced him to come see us. He saw one of our ads on Craigslist. He's a, a big guy. He played semi-pro football. He's a bodybuilder. He said, I'm hungry. I want, I want some work. My girlfriend pushed me out the door. I think this is it. I think I can get in here and, and do work for you. So Norm started off with one job with us. It was maybe paying him four or $500 a month, maybe 600 by six months after that, Norm had 25 employees and was billing us 13, 14,000 a month. He came into some really good jobs with us and he frankly kept his team tight and he was an excellent recruiter on his own of more people. And on the business side, he took coaching very well from Terry and John in terms of keeping his cash flow right. We did what we could to help him come from a small business to a medium sized business and to grow in the right ways. And that, that, those types of stories are really rewarding. Um, we've got several of those in Houston. On some of the ICs down here, I've actually gotten to be friends with uh, just in our lives. You know, our, we'll take our, our wives, girlfriends out for dinner together or, you know, maybe go see a show on, on the weekends. And those are the folks that, you know, they get it. They take care of, you know, their customer service skills are, are there and their pricing is reasonable. So I think finding them at first and then what you do with them and, and you'll develop a knowledge of when, when somebody says our crew didn't show up last night to clean and you call the owner and you said, what happened last night? Uh, you leave a message. Can you please get back to me? Let's get to the bottom of it. If you don't hear from them for two days, that's not somebody you're going to be working with for very long. If they call you back right away, I'm sorry, we had car trouble. We tried to send a text, you know, et cetera. And they do make a best effort to correct it. Those are the folks that you stay with. And after that, it's about finances. You know, some folks have a higher cost structure. Typically, the smaller to medium sized ICs are the ones we'd want to work with the most. That's a great way to put it. Thank you. Yeah, that was a good summary. That's scary. Uh, that was a, that was probably Terry and I's biggest anxiety. Um, we were in a unique position where we we planned on not making money and we planned on investing. How you know we had three sales team members from day zero up there, which exceeds you know even what citywide would reasonably expect from you. And we knew we weren't going to make money for a while, so we weren't as worried about that. Um, we and we weren't as worried that we weren't going to sell things because we knew we had enough experience there. If we continued to do the right things and follow the course, we would. When we got that first job and had to staff it, that was anxiety time. <laughs> so we until so we had some people we knew we could trust and and get them over the hump. So, so Kevin, your 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 daily Monday through Friday consists of what? I know I hear you say operations, but what what are your what are your daily activities like? Uh, so, um, typically, if if there's an emergency, obviously that comes first. Okay. Uh, so maybe I'll have to go down to see a client. I probably am um, out of office maybe thirty percent of the 30%, time okay. um, because I have two FSMs in Houston. And I have two night managers. We're about to hire a third. Um, so those those folks are out there touching clients constantly. We have a BDS uh, that's making calls and we have a sales executive down here. She's out doing the building surveys. I'll go with her on more complicated or larger uh, service projects or okay. uh, larger clients, maybe more complicated. Um, so I'll, I'll get in, you know, on any given day when you're at the stage of business that we are. Um, 
you're doing a lot of different things. You're an accountant, you're doing collections, you're running operations, yep. you're making sales calls. Yep. And okay. So I try and keep, keep a pretty good mix. For example, if I have to go see a client about an operational issue, I'll get into our CRM system and research maybe 10 other area or 10 other targeted buildings in the area that I want to go see. I'll stop in yeah. and make an introduction, then do follow-ups mm. for those types of things. Um, mm. But yeah, it's, it's a, it's, I would be lying if I said I had a, a repetitive week, week after week, you're not going to, this isn't an accounting job where you come in, do the books and then punch out at three 30 or four o'clock. I mean, you'll get out there, be, I'll, I'll do disinfecting. Sometimes uh, I quote a lot of jobs. I'll go visit ICs and, and assist with walks. So okay. it's a varied weekly. We have Wednesday is our day where we have our meetings. So I'll meet with the operations team individually. I know the sales team has our sales meeting on Wednesday earlier in the day. And then we'll do everybody together 30, 35 minutes to make sure everyone has what they need from one another on Wednesdays. That's pretty much my only set in stone day. Everything else is what it is and it kind of falls into place. And uh, you manage, sometimes it's whack-a-mole. You're managing whatever the most urgent thing is. And other times right. it's rewarding when you get to work on some of those long-term projects. Okay. Yeah, I heard you mention emergencies at the start of your statement. Do you get a lot of emergencies? I did at the beginning, to be honest okay. with you. Um, and that's in direct proportion to our direct relation to how well, in my opinion, and how closely you're tied with your clients and ICs, what kind of right. communication you have with them. The quality of your team obviously makes a big difference there. Uh, mm -hmm. If you're not talking to folks on a regular basis, your clients and your ICs, you're going to have a lot more surprises and emergencies than oh, yeah. if you yeah. are. I know that sounds like pretty baseline guidance, but... Uh, you know, if you know a particular IC has uh, discipline issues with their team and they're not showing up, I pull them out right away. I don't. Right. I don't right. Got it. Uh, so, and that at the beginning it was fighting fires a lot. Now, knock on wood, I just had one of my FS, my more senior FSM, just spent ten days out of the country. I think I, t I had about three emergencies during that week, and it was only because I wasn't as familiar with his jobs, and so I had to get speed that's kind of what made it the emergency but frankly you go visit people you sit down in front of them you listen to what they say you right. take it and don't be greedy about the money i mean you, if if someone didn't show up last night my first response is here's the refund for last night i can give you a credit or write you a check today mm -hmm. I, I take mm -hmm. that right off the table and that you'd be surprised how quickly that diffuses in a lot of situations mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you can uh, um my, my next question is around percentage-wise. When you talk about NJS and JS, are you? For, I mean, it doesn't have to be anything. It's just a soft number. How, how much far as percentage-wise is your are your NJS contracts versus your JS? In Houston, I'm about 40, 35, 40 percent. Okay. In Pittsburgh, um, for certain months last year in Pittsburgh, we were more NJS than JS, flatly. And I think on the really? year. 50% to 60% NJS. We hit a large contract in Pittsburgh last year where it was 80,000 a month in wow. NJS. And so that, I mean, that just completely flips everything on its ear uh, when yeah, it comes yeah, flips to it. NJS um, type thing. We just recently took over uh, a local uh, sports and concert arena in Pittsburgh, it's got indoor and outdoor facilities. I think it's about 5,000 seats inside or 6,000 seats inside. And oh. now, obviously, it's scalable. Um, we're able to 
uh, they, they were unable to find reliable uh, employees with their own department, keeping it in-house, and they were unable to find a reliable partner. Uh, we were able to secure that contract and knock on wood, it went very well. The Roots was our first contract that we cleaned up after, uh, our concert that we cleaned up after, and we've, we're now on three or four, and we've got a long-term contract with them. So Pittsburgh really pops with NJS work up there quite a bit. I don't know if it, it's definitely the market because something has dried up in Pittsburgh in terms of having uh, craft labor in the Pittsburgh area. There's not a lot of it. Um, Houston, Texas is a little bit of a different situation because we have a lot of uh, first generation folks who come from other countries with hands on craft skills and they're Mm -hmm. out there starting their own businesses all over the place. So that's a good thing when it comes to needing ICs and being able to help folks get business. Uh, it's a bad thing when it comes to, you know, the market is saturated with with that type of thing down here. So right, yeah. Cash plant too. Mike, mm. I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Got a quiet team out here, Kelsey. You gotta love me a couple more softballs, I guess. <laughs> I know, right? Um hey, so I my I love to ask this question. I asked it at the end, but I'm gonna ask it now. Um, is would you do it all over again the way you did it? Or would you um, change a few things when you started off? I wouldn't buy the existing location in Houston. Um, hmm. That's interesting. That, that would be, and that's just pertinent to my experience. Uh, I don't think that the franchise had a good background in how to do this. And I'm not throwing dirt. This is a great business opportunity. I would work with Citywide again. I don't want anyone to misinterpret my comments here. Um, but I don't think that the franchise had organized the process well enough to uh, split a franchise at the time when we did it, to split it there, mm-hmm. frankly. And it's caused a, a drain on time in that first year. So that part I wouldn't do again. Um, I think it's a fantastic business opportunity. Uh, I would go with Citywide again if I were going to get into a franchise type business. Um, I think you need to be honest with yourself about what your goals are and those types of things. I would definitely uh, bring the war chest that we brought I think we approached that very well in terms of um, plotting. You know, we had a very detailed business plan and we all took a hard, honest look at our lives and say, how much can I live on? What do I need to make out of this business? And we paid ourselves a salary out of the first year by we financed it from 401k with a rollover. Right. Uh, and we did it so that none of us would have to starve to death in the meantime, knock on wood. Uh, and although it's a different standard of living than what we may have had in our previous lives, um, at the beginning, it was uh, that taking that stressor off the table, I think, really made a big difference, um, giving ourselves a salary and knowing that we could make it work with it, having already dealt with the budget on it, that removed a question mark. Uh, and investing in the sales in Pittsburgh, the proof is in, in Pittsburgh will do better this year than Houston will. And Houston had one hell of a head start on Pittsburgh in terms of monthly contract revenue. So I would most definitely invest in the sales side of things for a certain. And I mean, everyone will tell you that. Um, easy to say though, because Terry himself handled operations up there and I, I think he was very good about it. Um, I liked our process, how we divided or how we came down to what business we were going to be in. I think we had a pretty good process for that when we were looking at different businesses and how we narrowed down what types of opportunities we wanted to look at. Um, I think we did that well. Um, yeah, does that kind of get at your question, Kelsey, or? 
Oh, absolutely. I just, I mean, it's it's good for the it's good for the people on the call to hear. If you do it again, if it's a successful business in your eyes, would you want to invest back into it and roll that way? Yeah, I think now that now that we've got the pain out of the way in Houston, um, at the end, a lot of those distractions out of the way, I think you know it's a good investment. It's if you talk to anybody. I'm not sure if you've gone through the the qualifications and spoken with other franchise owners or um, at this point in your process, but almost to a person, you know, Terry and I, everybody was available on the citywide side. I think that was one of the things that stuck out to us as potential franchisees <clears throat> was we, we were down to two businesses when we did Discovery Day. And the one business gave us a list of franchisees that you could call and citywide handed us a book of everybody's phone number. And they said, call whoever you want. It doesn't matter. They didn't qualify. You know, they didn't try and weed out potential negative feedback or potential reservations. They said, call whoever you want. The only limitation will be if they can make time to speak with you. Um, and both Terry and I were impressed with that. Hopefully you all are still doing that. Um, but both Terry and I were impressed with that approach to it. And owners were extremely honest with us and calibrated our expectations very accurately. And we appreciated that. Um, you know, the maybe some of the things that aren't ideal, they were honest about. And some of the things that were great, they were also honest about. And we said, if these folks can make a living doing it, and I'll be honest with you too, this will be kind of a joke, but some of the folks we talked to, uh, we were like, wow, they made this work. <laughs> we can definitely make this work. And I'm sure some people will say that about us as well. So, you know, if you come away from this call and say the guy in Houston said he was terrible at sales and they're still doing okay down there because there's ways around it. I think the business model is very adaptable to different things, uh, different strengths and weaknesses. And, and I think it, it is a solid model at the end of the day. And I believe that the franchise is really fair uh, in terms of, uh, you know, I think if people are well-intentioned up in the home office and, I think that they're fair with the way that they deploy decisions. Perfect. Well, anybody have any other questions for Kevin? Um, ask now because we still have 12 minutes. Unless you guys don't, then Kevin's off the hook and gets out of the call within an hour. No, I, I think, um, well, I think, no, I know that Kevin, you, you, I, you've given us a lot as you, as you start to summarize, you know, what's been going on with your, with your, um, franchise so it's i didn't have a lot of questions you, you were able to answer a lot that i had questions for so i, I appreciate that absolutely and anybody else have any questions well if not thanks so much Kevin. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, Marjorie, did you have a, call, a question no no i said we're good uh, he's very explain very explainer to everything that we wanted to uh know <laughs> Well, Kevin, you, you hit the nail on the head today. Wow, that's like the first that uh, you answered everybody's questions before they even had a chance to answer, uh, ask them. Yeah. So thank you so much, Kevin, for taking the time out on this Wednesday to um, do this call, tell your story, tell you if you do this again. I truly appreciate it. I know David does too. Um, and you know what? I'm going to let you off the hook 10 minutes early um, from the 4 o'clock hour. And I hope everybody has a fabulous, fabulous rest of your week. And we will talk to everybody soon. I know. All right. Thank you. Bye.